Hey church, it is so good to be with you today. Question as we get started, how many of you are enjoying all of this homeschool stuff? And just you love it. In fact, here's another question. How are you parents doing at your kids' test? That's the real question. In fact, I walked in my house the other day to find out that my family collectively made an 80 on an eighth grade physical science test. I, I, I was not very proud at that moment because all of them have been through eighth grade except for one. But, but, but let's begin today with a discussion question. What's the hardest test that you have ever taken? What's the hardest test that you've ever taken? Take two minutes and you guys talk about that there in, in your living room. I would love to hear some of your answers. In fact, take a second and drop some of them into the uh, comment section. And the greatest conspiracy of all time is going to be if we find out the teachers are not grading this stuff uh, during this season. In fact, by the way, the the word quarantine, I I, I looked that up. Do you know what that word quarantine means? Anybody know what that word means? It, it, It means test. And it goes way back, I think in the 1800s, in Italy, in Venice, Italy, uh, when ships would come into the port and they would make all of the passengers of the ship stay on the ship for 40 days of testing uh, to make sure that they didn't have uh, a plague or or, or a a virus, etc. And so it was testing. And so it's the Italian word for 40. That's what quarantine means. And, And maybe your test, maybe you took the bar to become a lawyer or the MCAT or the L. Or the ACT or the SAT, 
For, for me, I, I remember the driver's test. I, I remember it. In Louisiana back in the day, at 15 years old, you could get your driver's test with no driver's ed and, and no permit required. You get the license. And, and I went, I studied, and I went and took the test. And, and in fact, about 10 questions in, I looked up at my dad and said, I, I don't know any of this stuff. I, none of it's in the book. And, and so while the lady was grading it, She's wrong, wrong, wrong. And I said, none of that was in the book. And she said, really? And I said, no. And so she looked again and she said, oh, I gave you the CDL test by mistake. And, and the questions were like, how many flares can you have on a truck that's this long? And where do you put flares in, in the point of an accident? She gave me another test and I, I did pass it. But here, here's the deal. The point of test is learning. That's the whole point of it. And Paul understood that. In fact, let's pick up where we left off uh, last time in, in chapter 1 of Philippians in, in verse 12. And I'm going to draw this again for you on this iPad. We, we put a link in for the kids to print this out so that they can draw along or even adults, you can play along too. I do this in my Bible all the time. But, but let's read it together. And I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, I want you to underline the word everything, like a subject. It's the subject of the sentence, one underline. That has happened, a double underline has happened, because that's the verb. To me, put that in parentheses, to me, that's describing this, uh, and then here, put that in parentheses. Now, here's what I want you to do. Draw a line from everything over to has happened, then draw another line from everything over to uh, to me, and, and then draw a line from everything over to here, okay? So everything that has happened to me here has helped. Double underline that because that's a verb. Uh, to, has helped to spread. Double underline all of that. The gospel, one underline, that's the subject. And then draw a line from that subject, good news, back over to help to spread, okay? And so as we look at this and think through this, remember where here is. I want you to know that everything that has happened to me here, he is in prison. He was arrested by Rome. He was put in chains by officials. Why? Remember why? Because he was preaching, now, we may not be able to meet in person right now, but we can meet online. And, and, and thanks to Mark Zuckerberg's, or whatever you say his name, billions and billions of dollars, we, we have now a platform to reach the entire globe for free. And, and just while we're on that for a minute, church, many of you have been asking, what are our plans as a church? And when will we be opening back up? And so I, I do want to announce to you that we will be opening community groups to meet in person as well as online soon. You'll, you'll have the choice. All the groups that meet in person will also Zoom it so that you have the choice. But we will come back in person for worship. When Tulsa gets to phase three, and we can do all of our children's ministry safely. So we're going to continue to meet online until that phase. And so uh, if our city goes through it quickly, we'll be back quickly. If it takes a few more weeks, it'll be a few more weeks. And so I'll give you more on that later separately on my social media. Uh, but you've been asking, so I wanted to say it to you. But, but Paul wasn't as lucky as we are today to have this online platform. Uh, our, our Christian's uh, brothers and sisters overseas in, in places like China, uh, where, where they tear churches down and stop their online feeds so none of them can preach, or places like Egypt where the, there are mandated curfews. You cannot be outside at all. Listen, Paul was arrested for preaching, for, for telling others about Jesus. And, and when he got put in prison, what did he do? 
He preached some more. That's what he did. He knew the point of what was going on in his life. By the way, they had been through this before. You remember last Sunday, I put out some extra content on Sunday afternoon. If you didn't watch that, watch that sometime this week because I gave the background of the start of the church at Philippi. It's in Acts chapter 16. But, but when they were starting that church, uh, Paul encountered this woman who was uh, demon-possessed. And, and he, he got fed up and he turned and he, he released the demon, called her, the demon out of her and, and set her free. Well, she was being used by sorcerers as a fortune teller. And so the sorcerers were, were uh, frustrated because their income went away. And so they threw Paul and Silas into prison. Now, you remember that story at midnight. It says about midnight that they were singing praise songs in that prison cell when the angel came and swung wide the doors and opened the prison doors. They, they walked out when the prison guard uh, who came out of the stupor created by the angel uh, saw what had happened. He, he said, I, I got to kill myself. And Paul said, no, 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 don't kill yourself. And the jailer ends up getting saved. It's a crazy, amazing story. Re- read the Acts 16 this week. But, but this time, Paul is in prison. He's not set free. And, and so scroll back up a bit to those words that I had you circle and underline and draw around everything. That word everything. What does that word mean? Well, it means everything. It doesn't mean uh, some things. Not some things are going good right now, so I've got some uh, joy. It it doesn't mean good things. It's not, I got to tell you, when I think of the good things, I've got joy. And it's not those things. Remember back to those things when it was really going great. Those things bring me joy. No, he, he says everything. Everything that had happened to him gave him joy. Everything that was going on led him to sharing the gospel. Everything that had happened had a point and he knew it. So so let me just give you two truths today about everything. You can just draw a line out beside everything in number one and two. Number one, everything means nothing. When you realize that everything has a point and it can bring you joy, then nothing can stand in the way of your joy. Nothing will hold you back from rejoicing. Nothing will keep you from sharing Jesus with with others. You, You will find a way around or over or under your circumstances to a place of joy, to a place of joy. In other words, there's no social distancing. There's no stay-at-home order that will keep the Holy Spirit from moving in you. In fact, over the last several weeks, I've had several families message me and tell me that their elementary school children have given their lives to Christ watching the adult service online. God is expanding His kingdom. Here's the second thing about everything that I want you to write down. Everything means anything. In other words, God can use anything in your life to do something amazing. He can even use your pain to lead others to him because your pain has a point. He can use your disappointment to to set you free because disappointment has a point. He can use your loss for someone else's gain because your loss has a point. When you get an everything mindset, nothing will hold you back. And anything can be a reason for joy. It's not about what's going on all around you. It is about what is going on on the inside of you. I mentioned last week my, my friend David, whose, whose wife has terminal brain cancer. And, and when we were talking about it, one of, one of the things he said is, 
you got to make a pros and a, and a cons list. And, and I, he said, I did that with this terminal brain cancer that my wife has. I said, what are the pros? There are no pros to, to your wife having brain cancer. He said, no, there are some. And, and, and one he listed is that me and my children are closer than we've ever been. He has uh, college-age kids, and, and he said, we're closer than we've ever been. That's amazing perspective. Uh, in fact, look at the next words uh, there in the verse, has happened. Has happened. That's the passive voice. It's in the passive. Now, let me just give you an English lesson, okay? Remember, active voice, I'm doing it. And I am in control of it. In other words, I hit the ball, right? Or, or passive voice, it's happening to me. I'm not in control of it. I was hit by the ball. I, I don't get to choose if it happens or not. That's passive voice. And, and by the way, let me just make a distinction here theologically for you in, in this culture that you're walking through. Concern, you can be concerned. It is okay to be concerned from time to time. In fact, there are times in the last few weeks that if you're not concerned, I would ask why or why not? Why are you not concerned? If your job is on the line, you should be a bit concerned, right? If your kids can't go to school, you should be concerned. If you're, if you're the president of a company that may go under, you should be concerned. If you're the leader of a nonprofit that, that is dependent upon the generosity of others, maybe you should be concerned. It's okay to be concerned, but as a child of God, it's not okay to be consumed by it. And biblically, it's not okay to worry. What is worry? Worry is dealing with tomorrow's concerns with today's grace. Tomorrow's concern with today's grace. Every biblical character in the Bible at one point or another was concerned. Even Jesus was concerned. And you go through the valley of the shadow of death. You don't pitch a tent there. You go through it, not to it, right? It doesn't become your address. When you put down stakes to pitch a tent, the devil now knows where to find you all of the time. And, and when we talk about choosing joy, we're not talking about happiness. H happiness is what you feel when good things happen to you. In fact, those two words, happy and happen, they have the very same root word. And the root word means luck or chance. And in other words, happy is what you feel when good things happen. And when bad things happen, happen, it affects your happiness. But we can choose joy because joy is not decided by what happens to us. It is decided by what God is doing in us and through us. So if God is working in us and God is working through us, which he is, by the way, all of the time, then we can choose joy and we can rejoice. In fact, write this down if you would. The point of happiness is feeling good about what is happening to us. The point of happiness is feeling good about what is happening to us. The, the point of joy is feeling good about what God is doing in us and what God is doing through us. And what is God doing? He is working His good news. Go, go, go back to uh, verse 12, if you would, uh, for a second. Let's read it again that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread uh, the good news. That's part of that verbal phrase there. The word spread in verse 12 is literally uh, for the greater purpose. You could draw a line from spread and write that definition out. For the greater purpose purpose. In other words, it just keeps getting better and better. The good news will, not, will, will always be good news. 
And the good news will always spread joy, no matter what else is happening. And Paul is saying the good news just gets better because of this. Now, what is this? Again, it's that this is, he is in prison. In other words, your circumstances can be a catalyst. Your, your circumstances, uh, let me just use a, a, a pandemic word, stimulus. It, your, your circumstances can be a stimulus for the good news. That's why James, over in his book, says, Count it as a blessing when bad stuff happens. Why? Because it causes you to grow. And it causes the good news uh, to grow. And, and trouble and, and situations cause us to grow. It, it's like getting a steroid uh, shot. And, and in fact, one of the things I've been saying to our staff since March 12th or 13th is that, hey, the reason Warren Buffett is known the reason we all know who he is is because when the market is down and people are afraid and, he, and, and are running away, he's running in. And, and the thing that I sensed in my heart from the very beginning of this season was that God wanted us as a church to double down on some things, to, to, to go hard onto some things and, and not to back up and wait and, and be tentative. And I was praying for weeks and weeks about what where, God, do you want us to double down? I'm comfortable with two areas right now. There probably will be more, but uh, number one, we double down in the digital front. In other words, we've got to continue to reach the world via digital uh, mediums and, and put out content and, and create groups digitally. But number two, we double down on discipleship. In other words, this opportunity uh, is big for us to personalize discipleship personalization of the discipleship. In fact, almost a gamification of discipleship. And, and for example, most of us have been locked up for six weeks. And here's a question I want you to ponder. How have you spent your time? Are, are we allowing our circumstances to be a catalyst? That, that means making a change in our routine. This is a great time to make a commitment to grow spiritually. In fact, I don't want you to be down on yourself if all you've done is, is binge watch Netflix or Hulu or whatever else. I, I don't want you to you know, get down on yourself that you didn't write books like Philippians, Galatians, and Ephesians uh, while you were in quarantine like Paul did while he was in prison. But let, let's set a goal. Uh, let, in fact, I want you to think about what is one spiritual goal that you could start chasing for the next 40 days. You could chase this one goal. And in fact, let me say this to you. If you've not been through the advanced track, we're going to offer it online uh, throughout the month of May. If you've not done the advanced track, you can sign up right now, battlecreekchurch.com forward slash advance. And, and let us take you through this advanced track uh, to help you know God and find freedom and discover your purpose to set you free to make a difference globally. Uh, sign up for that. But if you have done advanced track, What's another growth goal that, that you have? Maybe you want to learn how to pray, or, or maybe you want to learn how to study your Bible, or maybe you want to learn how to renew your mind or, or, or find spiritual freedom, or how, how could I lead my family in devotions? How could I disciple my seven-year-old? How, how do I get a hold of my finances? Or maybe something on marriage. Just one goal, okay? And we all need to take advantage of this time to better ourselves so that we can grow, which allows the good news of, of Jesus uh, to grow. And so here's what I want to do as your pastor. I want to help you with that one goal. And, and, and so sometime this weekend, you're going to get a text from me. 
and uh, there's going to be a link to a survey. It's 19 questions. I want, you can do it in five minutes, okay? And so uh, several questions, but one of the questions is going to be about what is your spiritual goal, okay? And so you'll be able to choose a goal or write in another one if we didn't provide it in the list. And then we will put together an online class, a master class, if you will, to help you grow spiritually for, for the month of May. And so we're going to personalize your discipleship. And if you can and are willing to mentor others in one of these subject matters, click on that and, and, and tell us that. Listen, joy cannot be tied to a place. And what I mean by that is that places move and, and places shift and circumstances in places can change. Joy is not tied to a place. It's tied to a person, the, the person of Jesus and, and the work of the gospel. Uh, you remember the uh, Old Testament says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and, and those who run into it are saved. It, it's not really a tower right? It's not a place, it's a person. And that person is Jesus. And that person is available to you, no matter where you find yourself. Uh, the, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray says, give us our daily bread, our daily bread. Say daily. In other words, he wants us to talk to him about our daily needs and our daily concerns. It's okay to give him our concerns. And what he does every time is he takes our concerns and gives us grace in exchange for them. So take a look at how Paul's circumstances acted as a catalyst for him. Look at verse 13, if you would. I'm going to draw on it for you again. For everyone, underline everyone, that's the subject, here, put that in parentheses because it's modifying the, the everyone. And, and then including the whole palace guard, put that in parentheses as well because that's also modifying everyone. And circle the whole palace guard. The whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And, and, and draw a line from that circle and write this question. Who is that? Question mark. Who, who is that? Who, who is the palace guard? Listen, it's Caesar's top guys. It's Caesar's top guys. They, they are the best of the best. They are the trained military guards. They did not get their job because they were great soldiers. They were also diplomats. They had political connections. And here's Paul. And he says, because of this, remember, this is his imprisonment. I get to talk to the top of the top, those who talk to Caesar daily. And some of them, by the way, were getting saved. Paul tells us that over in chapter 4 and verse 22, when he says, all of God's people send you greetings, especially those in Caesar's household. People in Caesar's household were getting saved. Church, weekly, I'm on a phone call with pastors all over the world. I'm on phone calls with the governor or phone calls with the White House, praying with them and praying for them. And hear me, apart from this pandemic or corona, uh, those calls aren't happening. In fact, sometimes I, I find myself, I'll get off of that phone call every once in a while, and I'll just say kind of in, in, in a uh, Latino voice, it's corona time. But because in this corona time, God is doing crazy stuff. And here we are in this situation where people everywhere are open to the gospel, where before 
They thought it was weird that we leaned on this Jesus. In other words, Paul used his circumstances as a catalyst. He said, if I am stuck here, then I am going to make the most out of it. And he found the point behind the, the prison. And instead of complaining and arguing, he looked for a way for God to use him in a moment of pain. Here's a question I want you to discuss for a couple of minutes. And if you're watching this by yourself, just jump on the chat and discuss it with people here on the chat. How has God used a painful time in your life for his glory? Let's talk about that. I love to hear the testimonies all over the city and even the world of those of you who are sharing stories of how God took a painful time and used it for His glory. But listen, Paul realized something in that moment. He realized he was locked in there with them, but they were also locked in there with him. And he wasn't a captive. That's not the way he saw it. He had a captive audience. He had people who had to listen to him talk every day about Jesus and about the gospel. And I think some of them, I imagine, just finally just threw up their hands and said, okay, Paul, fine. I'll accept your Jesus if you'll just stop talking for a minute. And Paul found the point of his predicament. And it led him to joy. He didn't ask why. He asked how. How can God use me in this? I've been telling our staff that this whole thing is going to go to new. It's not going to go back to normal. It's going to go to new. And don't be in a hurry. Church, listen, don't be in a hurry in a moment of discomfort to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to normal. Yes, I do want to meet again. I am longing to see you. But I want to come back 
into a new church. I want to come back into a church that has new strength. What the enemy meant for harm, the Lord can use for uh, good. And as it relates to our lives, I pray that our church comes out of this stronger and and that we are not bound uh, in bondage to youth sports anymore as an idol, that we're not bound in bondage to retail therapy, that we're not bound in bondage to busyness as a way uh, to live our lives. And, and in fact, I just confess to you at times when I've preached on those things before, I, I felt like it was falling on deaf ears because no one knew how to get out of those things. Well, now you know how, and, and you know that, that we know that we can make it without being bound uh, to those things. Go, go back to verse uh, 14, if you would, and, and, and let's pick up in verse 14 and look at what he says. And because of my imprisonment, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers, circle that word believers, most of the believers here have gained confidence and are boldly, boldly, underline that word, are boldly speaking God's message without fear. And so my struggle can serve God. And my struggle can reach lost people, but my struggle can also reach the believer. He didn't just see people get saved. His joy was contagious to other believers. It was spreading, and he was sharing the gospel, and people, believers, were watching that, and they were listening. In fact, my family, during this pandemic, we watched both Contagion and outbreak. It was a bit eerie, actually, to, to watch those. But, but listen, these people, these other believers, they're hearing Paul tell this story, and they said, I can do that. that they saw the impact he was having, and they were saying, I, I want to do that. In other words, Paul was patient zero, not Gwyneth Paltrow, right? That, you know, uh, that some pig and some monkey, some bat, whatever. And, and instead of stopping uh, this pandemic, Paul had the chance to spread the pandemic of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here we are talking about it, thousands of years later. And, and so let me ask you this question. Who, who's watching you? And who is listening to you? When you post on, on social media, who's going to see that? When, when you're out on a walk, who is paying attention? In fact, I, I've thought about it in my neighborhood. I know more of my neighbors in, in the last six weeks than I did in the last 10 years because I've met them on walks and talked to them and asked them how they're doing. I think at this point that if I were to hold a Bible study in my home for my neighbors, they would come. Uh, maybe you're the same way, that you could reach your neighbors now in a way that you never could have before. You're more contagious than you realize. And there are people who are contagious and don't know it. And, and you may think of yourself as the least influential person on the planet. But according to the Word of God, you have great influence. And and let me just say this to you. Whatever small influence you may have now, when you use it, you can grow it. Illustration for you. The the CDC keeps changing the instructions on masks, on whether we should wear them or not wear them, and and, and to keep COVID-19 from spreading. But, But here's what we're being told. You don't put on the mask to keep yourself from getting it. You put on the mask to keep yourself from being contagious because you may have it and not know it. And and that keeps others from catching it. And and this is a great illustration because I I think the enemy wants us to wear masks when it comes to the gospel so that we won't be contagious. Uh, What I'm saying to you, when it comes to the gospel, rip the mask off. Not, not, not literally today, right? Keep, keep it on, cover your mouth. When you cough, wash your hands. But, But that doesn't keep us from sharing our faith. The gospel is something we don't have to be ashamed 
of. Go, go, go to verse 20, if you would, and let's just keep reading, if we can, in the Bible. And as you look at verse uh, 20, look at what he says. So, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold. Circle that word bold again. For Christ, for I, as I have been in the past. I don't know if you've seen the pictures or not. They're all over Google that of the bookstores when they were still open. Uh, every Bible was gone. Every Bible taken off of every shelf. In fact, if you looked at the top things Googled over the pandemic, uh, Christ and, and God and, and where is God, uh, people are looking for answers and they are instinctively knowing where to look to us, the, the, the Christ body, the, the, the bride uh, of Christ. And we don't need to be ashamed. Look at what he goes on to say. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or I die. Now, Paul is getting very, very serious here. He, he knows it's life or death for him. And if you've been reading along in Philippians and listening along and thinking, well, Paul, uh, he, he can be happy. He's Paul. But I've got a tough situation here that Paul wouldn't even remotely understand. Listen to me. He is in a very serious situation himself. It's life or death. And, and, and he's got the joy. And he's choosing joy but he's not ignorant, and he's not blissfully ignorant. Joy is not ignorance. That, that's not what I'm trying to say. He's not ignoring the very serious nature of his circumstances. He's embracing it, in fact. And I don't want anyone to misunderstand me on this point. Uh, the, the point is not just to pretend that nothing is wrong and, and hope for the best and ignore all of your problems. That's not the answer to having joy. It's just not. The, the answer to having joy at the worst times in our lives is to embrace the circumstances, to realize they are serious, and then ask God to do something in you and, and through you in the middle of our mess. It, this is not the time to say, well, I just choose joy. So, so I'm not going to listen to the doctor because that just upsets me. Or, or I'm not going to follow the experts advice because that's just too hard it's time to say okay this situation i'm in is tough and not only is it tough everything surrounding it it is tough and when you have cancer the phone calls to your relatives those are tough calls the the treatments are tough the meetings with lawyers to go over trust those are tough uh, meetings and tough conversations, the late nights when you're sick and throwing up those are tough the the, the whole thing is tough but but in the middle of the whole thing God can give you joy. How? how? How can he do that? Because you see there is a point even in that struggle. And, and he can take your pain and he can transform it into something so incredible. L listen, if you're here and you're in a life and death situation, hear me, it's not the end. That's the incredible part. How does Paul do that? Take a look at verse 21 and look at what he says. For me... For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. When, when Paul says, my entire life is Jesus, he, he's saying, I've surrendered 100% of it to him. Remember that word, doulos, I am a slave, a bondservant to Christ. I, I, I'm surrendered. All of my life surrendered to life. My life is Jesus. And because of that, he can say, if I die, it's gain. When, when my life is my job, then dying is losing it. When my life is baseball, then dying is when I can't watch it. But when my life is Christ, dying is gain. The, that's the only time that dying is 
gain. The, the, the point of my whole life is when I hear someone say about their life, for me, life is blank. And if they put anything in that blank other than Christ, I, I view it as a chance to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let, let me show you how you can put Jesus in that blank in your life. Joy, J-O-Y. Listen, joy is Jesus on me. Joy is Jesus over me. And joy is Jesus out of me. Now, now let's finish reading uh, a few verses here so that we can move on uh, next week. Look at uh, verse 22, if you would. But if I live, I can do more fruitful, underline that, work for Christ. So I, I don't really know which is better, underline that. I am torn. He says, I am torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Verse 24, but for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. Verse 25, knowing this. I am convinced, underline that word, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. But verse 26, uh, he says, and when I come to you again, I, I'm coming to you again, you will have even more reason to take uh, pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Amazing. And so let, let me just end today with this question. How many of the 55,000 plus people so far who have died in the United States of America, I don't know the number globally, but how, how many in the U.S. who have died with COVID-19 have died without knowing Jesus? Listen, there needs to be an urgency on our part, church, not, not, not just to save their lives, but to tell them about Jesus. And, and so I, here's what I want us to do. I'm so burdened by this. I want us to have an online harvest day, an online service. Okay, so two weeks from today, May 17th, we're going to do a harvest Sunday uh, from our homes and from our living rooms. And, and here's a question for you. In fact, one idea I heard, do you have a community area in, in your uh, neighborhood? Uh, we, we have one neighborhood in South Broken Arrow, Bixby, that, that has 10 families from Battle Creek, different campuses, actually. And there's a pool house there and a, and a covered area there. And, and so on May 17th, they want to have a service together and, and share church with families that live around them at 11 o'clock on, on, on that Sunday morning. So let's just dream together, all, all of us. Let's just dream together. What could it look like for you? What could it look like for your community group? What could it look like for your neighbors? Two weeks from today, May 17th, let's do this online Harvest Sunday. And, and we can't, church, we can't just sit around and watch church in our pajamas. We, we, we got to keep taking ground for Jesus. And so I don't know what the idea is for you. Come up with a great idea. Share it with us on social media. But, but whatever means necessary, you get people who don't know Jesus into a place where they can join in on this service on May the 17th, and let's see what God will do. Okay, let's pray together. Uh, bow your heads if you would. Father, today we pray for glory uh, of God to shine in us and on us and through us. Uh, teach us your word. Make us more like you. And, and Father, today, would you do what only you can do? Would you save people? And right where you're seated, if you've never trusted Jesus, you, you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, your forgiver. You, you don't know for sure that if you died that Jesus is coming to get you, that you're going to be with him in heaven uh, forever and ever. Could, could I just ask you to pray, either out loud or in your heart, under your breath, would you just pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, 
I, I know I'm a sinner, but I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And Jesus, would you come into my life to be my Lord, to be my Savior, and to be my forgiver? In the best way that I know how, I receive you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Now, now before I say amen, before everybody else looks up, look, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, you, you look at me. You, you look at me, okay? Uh, everybody else, your head's bowed and eyes closed. You just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart. Congratulations. This is the wisest decision you could ever make. I want you, if you would, right now to take your phone and I want you to text the word uh, decision to 555-888. Decision to 555-888. The word decision to 555-888. In fact, if you're watching on our webpage, over in the comment section is a place where you can just click a button that says, raise my hand. I just meant that prayer with all of my heart. E either way, uh, text the word decision, 555-888, or click raise my hand. We want to say congratulations to you. It's the smartest and the wisest decision you could ever, ever make. Now, Father, we just thank you today for salvation in our faith family, in our, uh, the body of Christ. We thank you for what you're doing to grow us and extend our reach. And Father, I pray for our people this week that you would use them in a great way, minister life to them. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we all say amen and amen. I love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week.